I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. Now, I don't know about you, but when I travel or when I go sightseeing or when I just go out on a cultural adventure in my own city, I like to have a theme if I can. It doesn't always have to be the case, but it makes it a little bit more fun. And I have fond memories of when my husband and I were first dating, we went on a Michelangelo-themed walk around the city, and we tried to see as many Michelangelo sites as we could. Today, I'm going to tell you how to have a Raphael day in Rome. And uh, this is partly because it is this year, 2020, marks the 500th anniversary of Raphael's death. It's a few months from now, but I figured you might be planning your trip to Rome, or you might decide that Raphael's death day anniversary is enough of a reason just to come to Rome on April 6th, 2020. So if that is the case, or if you just like hearing about Raphael, hopefully I will answer a few questions for you today. So I should also mention that there's a really big Raphael exhibit that's starting in the city next month in March. So that's at the Scuderia del Quirinale. They do really great exhibits. There are going to be supposedly over 100 works, including both paintings and sketches by Raphael at this exhibit and 100 more by his contemporaries. So it's a huge deal. 40 paintings of Raphael alone just from the Uffizi and other paintings from all around the world. So if you're in Rome from March 5th until I'm not sure how long it goes, but several months for sure, you definitely should go to that exhibit if you like Raphael. But the cool thing about Rome is there are a lot of other places to see Raphael that the works of art cannot be taken to the exhibit simply because they're frescoed onto walls or they're works of architecture. So these are those things that are not going to be included in that exhibit that you can see anytime in Rome, regardless of when you come. So the number one Raphael site are the Raphael rooms in the Vatican Museums. And if you really are trying to do a full day and you want to get all this Raphael stuff done in one day, you might consider doing the Raphael rooms on a different day or just getting them done in the morning and trying to avoid the rest of the museums, especially if you've been there before. So the Raphael rooms are four rooms inside the Vatican Museums in the original Apostolic Palace, which is where the Pope used to live. And the specific Pope in question is Pope Julius II, who was Pope in the early 1500s, and he hired Raphael to paint the walls of his living apartments and his receiving rooms because he refused to live in the rooms that his predecessor, Alexander VI, the Borgia Pope, you can go back and listen to our Borgia episode, the rooms that he had lived in. So he moved into the rooms upstairs and had them painted by Raphael. This work started in 1508, and there are four rooms, the Hall of Constantine, which between you and me, Raphael didn't actually work on those rooms. He was dead by that time. Uh, he was involved in the planning of them and they were carried out by his students. The room of Heliodorus, the room of the fire in the Borgo, and most importantly, the room of the signature. The room of the signature, he is the only Raphael room in the Vatican in which he painted every single painting with his own hands. That doesn't mean he didn't have any assistants working alongside him, but he did work on all four of those paintings. And they are the most amazing works there and some of the most amazing 
uh, Raphael works in general. You're going to want to take some time to look at the School of Athens, which is very famous. You've probably seen images of it if you haven't seen it live. And also the dispute of the Holy Sacrament on the opposite wall, which really represent the for formerly represents uh, worldly knowledge. And then, of course, the dispute of the Holy Sacrament represents a more religious knowledge. The uh, School of Athens is particularly great because he, within the painting, he gave homage to some of the greatest thinkers of ancient times, whether it was Plato or Socrates or uh, Pythagoras, Euclid, many mathematicians and scientists and philosophers are depicted up there. And another thing he did, he went even deeper as far as giving homage to people that he admired. Within the figures of these famous thinkers, these famous ancient thinkers, he, in not every case, but in several cases, added the physical features in the face of an artist of his own day. So it actually makes it even more interesting. So you look at Plato, you can tell by the physical form that it's supposed to depict Plato, but the face is the face of Leonardo da Vinci. Um, there are several other artists depicted in it, including uh, Michelangelo, uh, Sodoma, and Donato Bramante, among others. And of course, there's a little self-portrait of Raphael as well. These are really some of the most important Raphael works in the entire city, if not the entire world. And they're frescoed right onto the walls, so you cannot take them and put them in an exhibit. Um, another place where you can see one work by his own hand and then another work by his students is Villa Farnesina, which is one of my personal favorite museums in the city. And it is in Trastevere. It's not expensive. It's not crowded. It's a really, really lovely little museum. You can visit it in about an hour. And there is a painting there called The Triumph of Galatea, which is one of Raphael's only non-religious works. It tells a story from pagan mythology. It's truly beautiful, and it's really a surprise when you see it. The whole museum is beautiful. There's only about four or five rooms available to visit, um, but they're all lovely. But when you see that Raphael, there's something about it that even if you don't know that it's there and you're not an art expert, most people will be startled by it and will recognize it as something really great. The ceiling of the room, of the next room, which is the um, Lodge of Cupid and Psyche, is also incredible. It was frescoed by Raphael's students, uh, by, by his atelier, on his designs, though. Next up is a church that a lot of people actually visit because there's a Caravaggio painting there. It's called Sant'Agostino. It's near Piazza Navona. And of course, you know my love for Caravaggio. I always recommend people to go there to see the Madonna of Loreto, which is probably my number one favorite Caravaggio painting. But while you're there, don't miss the Raphael fresco. It's pretty small. It's not that well known. And a lot of people miss it, even though they might be informed enough to know to look for the Caravaggio. If you are walking down the central nave, it's on the left side, but on a pillar. It's not in one of the chapels. It's on the actual pillar. I think it's the third pillar on the left. And if you just look to your left and look up, you'll see it's the prophet Isaiah. And he's very similar to the prophets that Michelangelo painted on the Sistine Chapel ceiling. If you're familiar with the Sistine Chapel, on there's about eight different Old Testament prophets going around on this architectural part of the ceiling that is in a way similar to a pillar. They're not pillars, but they kind of 
taper down into a long, thin rectangle. And so I don't know if Raphael chose to do that on purpose, but it is pretty well documented that after Raphael saw the Sistine Chapel, he began to change his style. And you can really see a big shift in his works from before around 1512 when the Sistine Chapel was completed and after. Um, before 1512, Raphael's paintings are very feminine. They're very graceful and gracious, and there's just a very ethereal beauty to them. After he sees the Sistine Chapel, his works start to take on a much more muscular, physical, masculine feel, which he really, quite frankly, picked up from Michelangelo. Another place where there is a sort of hidden Raphael that not a lot of people know about is a church called Santa Maria della Pace. It's actually closed most of the time, which is maybe why people don't know about it. It's only open on Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday mornings until noon. So you need to plan your visit pretty well if you want to see them. But the church is attached to the more famous Chiostro del Bramante, which is a beautiful place that I adore where they have lots of great exhibits and there's a wonderful cafe on the upper level. Um, but the church, uh, like I said, because it's closed so often, not a lot of people visit it. When you walk inside, it's very small, walk inside the church, immediately on your right-hand side, if you look up, is a lunette and it is painted with the sibyls. Interestingly, because the Sibyls are another figure from the Sistine Chapel, alongside the Old Testament prophets are the Sibyls. And the same thing was done in this case in a different church by Raphael. And again, there are some similarities between these works and the works by Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel. Now, not a lot of people know that Raphael, although he was definitely most known as a painter, and that's what he did about 95% of the time. He also dabbled in architecture. It was common in the Renaissance for artists to do more than one thing. I'm sure you'll famously know Michelangelo was a frescoist, a sculptor, and an architect. Raphael, not as much, possibly simply because he didn't live long enough to become adept in all of these art forms, but he did do some architecture. And most notably, the Chigi Chapel in Santa Maria del Popolo. This church is also a very famous church for having two Caravaggio paintings, uh, a painting by Caracci, and some gorgeous sculptures by Bernini. Uh, but not a lot of people realize the chapel where the Bernini's, Bernini sculptures are, the Chigi Chapel, which is, I want to say the second chapel on the left-hand side, might be the third, it was designed architecturally by Raphael. The church is much older than Raphael, but uh, it was redesigned during the Renaissance and Raphael designed that particular chapel. Interesting little fun fact, he also designed the mosaic in the dome of that chapel. Again, not the dome of the church, the central dome, but just the dome of that side chapel is a mosaic of the creation of the world by Raphael. So um, he designed it and then mosaic masters created it into a mosaic. There's another site in Rome that was designed architecturally by Raphael. It's called Villa Madama, and it's sort of to the north of the city. It's not in the center, uh, but it is not open to the public for visits. Now, like many places in Rome that are not open to the public, there are often ways that you can manage to go inside anyway. So if you're really, really passionate about Raphael, look into it, Google it, see if you can find out a way. You might have to send an email, make a phone call. Um, you might be able to visit that place even though it's not open to the general public. And there are also, I've heard, some loggie there 
that he painted, similar to the loggia of Raphael at the Vatican, which, by the way, is also not visitable and pretty much impossible to visit. The only time I've ever been there was when Aurelia was baptized in the Sistine Chapel, and we got to walk through it. But generally, because the Pope goes through there, they never allow that uh, that area to be open. But I've heard there is a place, there is a loggia at Villa Madama that is similar, but I have not visited Villa Madama myself. The last stop on your Raphael tour should be the Pantheon. There are no works of art by Raphael in the Pantheon, but his tomb is there. Many artists have been buried in the Pantheon, as well as heads of state, Italian heads of state. But because Raphael is so loved and has been so loved since his death 500 years ago, they actually carved out a piece of the marble behind which he's buried and put a piece of glass in instead so people can actually see his physical coffin, which is made of marble. Uh, it is inscribed with a beautiful epitaph by Pietro Bembo that reads, Here lies Raphael, by whom nature feared to be conquered while he lived, and while he lay dying, feared she would die herself. I hope you've enjoyed this virtual Raphael tour, and I hope that next time you're in Rome, you have a chance to take in these sights yourself. This has been your midweek bittersweet moment. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you love it, leave us a good review and tell all of your friends about us. Also, if you have an idea for a bittersweet moment, send it to us by email or voice memo. We're at bittersweetlife at mail.com or find us using the contact page at thebittersweetlife.net.